Grace Community Bible Church exists to exalt Christ, edify the saints, and evangelize the world to the glory of the triune God. This is our mission statement. We desire to make disciples of Jesus Christ in the Lakeville community through expository preaching and teaching of the Scriptures, prayer, fellowship, and the ordinances in order to plant like-minded, Christ-exalting, saint-edifying, and world-evangelizing churches. That is our vision statement. I think it can be helpful to have a clear mission and vision statement. Similarly, the last verses of the book of Luke, chapter 4. Turn to that place. The last verses of, of Luke, chapter 4, verses 42 through 44, serve as a clear mission statement of our Lord Jesus Christ, setting the stage for the future, for all the future of the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. So take your Bibles and find that place in Luke chapter 4, and we're going to read the mission statement of Jesus in verses 42 through 44. And as I'm reading, kids, I want you to participate as well. I want you to see if you can find the mission statement of Christ in these verses. And then when you're done, could you write it down in one sentence? Make no mistake about it, our Lord Jesus Christ had a mission from God and He knew what it was. Luke chapter 4. Starting at verse 42. When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place. And the crowds were searching for Him and came to Him and tried to keep Him from going away from them. But He said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For I was sent for this purpose. So, he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. I think we can do this. I think we could write the mission statement of our Lord Jesus from this passage. It's clear. Here it is. It's not complicated. Jesus' mission was to preach the kingdom of God. Now, that's going to take some explanation in light of his whole ministry. And this text offers some clues to expand upon that and to fill out that mission of preaching the kingdom of God. And that's our aim this morning is to look at three aspects, three aspects of the mission of Jesus Christ from this passage. Number one, then... First, the foundation of His mission. The foundation of His mission. And watch this. 
the foundation of his mission, seclusion to pray. Or let me, let me just say it a little differently. Seclusion to the presence of God in prayer. Seclusion for prayer. Look at verse 42. When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place. And the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away. The previous day, Jesus had put a hard day of ministry in. A long day of work. I mean, he preached. He preached in the synagogue in Capernaum that day, only to be interrupted by a man with a demon speaking through his voice box, dealing with the tension of, you know, do I start, stop the sermon? Do I... He dealt with it. He cast that demon out. Then, it was noon. It was time for the Sabbath meal. He goes to a house and he's going to rest a little bit and have a good meal. And people come and they need help. They need more help from Jesus. Help! Simon's mother-in-law is sick. She's ill. And Jesus stops the meal and heals. And I don't know how long that took, but she popped up, fully healed, got the meal together, and they finally got a little bit of food, it would seem. And then, of course, the evening came, and the sun was setting, and the Sabbath was over. And now people can legit bring their sick people to Jesus because there's no Sabbath regulations for caring people, and so now they can do it. And so after the sun had set, after a long day, they brought people and they brought people, and they brought people, and Jesus healed, and He healed, and He healed, and He healed all that were brought to Him, the text says. He touched every one of them, and He healed late into the night. And you know, in respect to His humanity, He had to have been exhausted, healing into the night. But you know what? He got up the next day. He got up the next day. The parallel passage says, before the sun, early in the morning, to be with His heavenly Father. What fueled that last day of preaching and casting out demons and the wisdom of knowing how to help and then the, the energy and the strength to minister to all of those people all day long. What fueled that? Was that his primary love? He loved to heal. I'm sure he loved to preach. I'm sure he loved people. He loved to help. But who did he love the most? And what was his primary relationship? He loved his heavenly Father. He wanted to be in relationship with his heavenly Father, to be in his presence. He was excited about it. And he shook off the tiredness. And he got up to be with his heavenly Father, to meet God alone. And the text says, in a secluded place. 
I think it's appropriate to just remind you of the parallel passage that Brother Bob read. And I'll just, you don't need to turn to Mark 1. Just listen again. It's a parallel passage of what happened here. Verse 35 of Mark 1, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also for that is what I came for. And he went into the synagogues throughout all Galilee preaching and casting out the demons. And so what is Jesus getting up to do in that secluded place? He's not there for some alone time to unplug. He is there to be alone to be with. To be alone to be with someone. To be alone with His primary relationship. His relationship to His Heavenly Father. And that aloneness, that time of being with that primary relationship is expressed in prayer and it changes our whole perspective about what prayer is and why we long for it. It's a relationship. And in fact, I find it shocking with Luke's emphasis on prayer. It's a sub-theme for sure of this book. Why in the world doesn't he mention the prayer like he does in the parallel passage? Because He's trying to emphasize the seclusion that that you get with the Father. You're secluded in that relationship. The time away, the time spent in relationship with the Father to emphasize the the, the primary priority of his life was not preaching. It was experiencing the presence of his heavenly Father through prayer, which led to preaching. Oh yeah, it led to preaching. You see, he just loved his father and he couldn't wait to be with him. And he made an effort to get away from people. He loved to help people. He loved to heal people. He loved the Word of God. He loved to preach and all of that. But most of all, He loved his father and longed to be near him and longed to be in his presence. Now, let's apply this right away. Our mission begins with the presence of God in prayer. Our mission begins with the presence of God in prayer. What is your mission statement for your life? Ever thought about that? What are you all about? I think of Pastor Don. It's not in my notes, but I'm saying it anyways. He's upper 70s and he's talking about what God wants him to do next. He's got a mission from God. It's clear. And it's a great example to us young men. What is your mission from God as an individual? Families. Family. What's your family mission? What are you all about? 
What's the mission statement for our church? Why do we write it like that? What are we all about? What are the key priorities of this local fellowship? And I'm just, from this passage, I'm, I'm saying that it's foolish for us to carry out our stated spiritual mission without specific times of seclusion with the God of our mission. It's foolish. The most important thing that we do every day, you know that list of things to do that you have? The most important thing that you do every day is finding time to be in seclusion with your Heavenly Father, your most important relationship. Like Mary of old, instead of being fran- frantic and anxious and about so many things, going here and going there, but doing the most important thing, the one needful thing, Luke says, sitting at the feet of Jesus. You see it? Listening to His Word, to commune with Him, to, to fix your eyes upon Him, to consider Him so that we might run our race with perseverance, so that we might carry out the callings that God has placed on our lives. Look, the mission statement of Jesus is clear. It's preaching. But there was prayer first, and then there was preaching in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll think of your lives. Brothers and sisters, write it down. First it's seclusion, and then I admit, then the scrambling. But let's scramble in the Spirit, shall we? If we're going to do that and not in the flesh, we better get with our Lord and spend time sitting at His feet. First, it's sitting at His feet. Then, it's serving in our homes. Sometimes we're just, sometimes we're just so busy, we don't feel that we have time to spend with the Lord. In light of this passage, that's hard to even say, that sentence. Immediately, when I say that, we're just so busy we don't have time to spend with the Lord. You know, I'm going to try not to be harsh to myself and to us. But, I'll say it this way. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie. That's a demonic lie. We, we have to change some things if that is the case. But it's never the case. In fact, in some of the busiest seasons of our lives... We need to make extra effort to get with the Lord in times of seclusion, to rise up when it's early and spend time in communion with our Father into heaven. And not just check off a box, got it done because I'm supposed to, but to be in seclusion for communion, to have communion with our Lord, to meet with Him, to wrestle with, Lord, bless me in this. I got 10 minutes. Lord, meet me here. Show me Your glory. Open up Your Word to me. Reading the Word, meditating on it. We just did 
with the kids for the youth group. Light bulbs. What did we see from the text? What questions do we have from the text? Arrows. What is God calling us to do? To see that in His book and to ask the Spirit and to pray that back to Him and to say, Lord, teach me, teach me, teach me from Your Word. Pleading with Him, depending with Him, examining ourselves and looking at Jesus. That's fun. For the Christian, that is fun. You long for it. If you've ever experienced communion with the Lord at all in your life, you have to work at it, but then you long for that. To taste and see that the Lord is good. To draw near to Him. And make no mistake about it. Right, Brandon? James chapter 4. Draw near to God and I will draw near to you. Draw near to God, brothers and sisters, like Jesus did in seclusion. Your mission begins with the presence of God in prayer. J.C. Ryle said, if the master found the practice necessary, it must surely be a thousand times more necessary for his disciples, end quotes. So, listen, maybe, maybe write this down. Seclusion in the presence of God will lead to success in priorities for God. Seclusion in the presence of God will lead to success in priorities for God. Real success. Holy Spirit success. Faithfulness kind of success. So, as we carry out our, our mission, this is the foundation. This is the bedrock. The foundation for our mission, number one, is seclusion for prayer. Okay, then we come to it. That's the foundation. Then secondly, as we, let's get right to it, the nature of His mission. Number two, the nature of His mission, a resolution to preach. There it is, a resolution to preach. And the crowds were searching for Him and came to Him and tried to keep Him from going away from them. But He said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. God the Father sent the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, to take upon flesh to dwell among us. He sent him to open up his mouth and preach. Not just right here on the north shores of Capernaum, of the, of the Sea of Galilee, but all the cities of all Judea. That's both north and south. He's encompassing his whole mission, his next three years. He's got to get to it. It's time to go to the next city. He's got a lot of preaching to do. He's got a, he's got a plan from the Father. His priority is set from the Father. And he knows what to do, Jesus the preacher. Jesus the preacher. That is the whole emphasis of Luke chapter 4. Jesus the preacher. I could prove it a number of different ways. Let me just remind you that Jesus, when he, in his first sermon, and it was a sermon, his first sermon in the synagogue in Nazareth was from Isaiah 61. And you can see in that sermon, he's, he's giving as, as a matter of kind of the beginning and at the end of the chapter, he's using the same terminology to prove to us his mission of preaching. So look at it in verse 18 of Luke chapter 4. 
So he found where it was written in the book of Isaiah, find verse 18 of Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to do what? To preach. He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to what? To proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he underlines it again then at the end, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent. That word sent is used out previously in verse 18 as well. This is the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why he came. That would sort out a lot of the, of the speculations and all of the things that Jesus did in his ministry if we'd see that his main priority was to preach. Time and time again, we see that, and we're going to see that in the book of Luke. Now, I want you to understand when he says in our verse, I must preach the kingdom of God. That word for must in the original languages is a word of necessity, of compulsion. You could translate it, it is necessary that I preach. This was a calling, a mission from God. It is necessary that I preach. Now, what was the message of his preaching? The text says he was preaching the kingdom of God. Earlier in our beginning verse, in verse 18, where the same words are used, it says, I came to preach the what? The gospel. Preaching the gospel is preaching the kingdom of God in Luke chapter 4. Okay? There's, much, there's ten sermons on the nature of the kingdom of God. That is not the point of this, of, of this message today. But I will just tell you, because I like to you know, say that I'm not going to talk about stuff and then talk about it. I will tell you, preaching the kingdom of God is much more complicated than you think. When Jesus came, He preached. The king was there. The, the, the kingdom was offered to His people. It was offered right there. He came preaching the kingdom. The king is here. Repent and turn. So the preaching of the kingdom, the kingdom is in a sense now, and there's a future aspect of the kingdom as well, a final aspect of the kingdom that I believe will be upon this earth when King Jesus reigns in what's called the millennial kingdom. And so there's a present and a future aspect of the kingdom. And, and people are all messed up on the, on the kingdom being both spiritual and physical, and it's only spiritual, and it's only physical. The Jews of Jesus' day thought it was only physical. Just get Rome and set up the kingdom, and they're all hard-hearted about it. And it was spiritual, and it was physical, the kingdom is. And right now, in the rejection of our Lord Jesus Christ, He's bringing us into the kingdom through the preaching of the gospel, and it is a spiritual entrance. Didn't Nicodemus need to hear that? Didn't he need to hear that? If you must be born again if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. And so we enter into the kingdom now when we pass out of death and into the life from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of our beloved Son. How? That is when our eyes are opened. That is when we're set free. That's the spiritual passing out of death to life. How do we enter the kingdom? By faith, responding to the preached word of the gospel of the kingdom. You see? 
But we can get into the already and the not yet of that, and you can come and I'll, I'll talk about it for hours because Pastor Dan knows I love to talk about this topic. So come, let's talk. What is the nature of the kingdom? Well, guess what? Luke mentions it, 20, kingdom of God, 20 times in this book. Six times in the book of Acts, so I think we'll be back and we'll, we'll, we'll fill it out more and more in the exposition of this book. But that'll get you started. It's the preaching of the gospel, bringing people spiritually in by faith. This then is our application. Number one, our mission centers on preaching. If this was Jesus' mission, this is our mission at Grace Community Bible Church. Our mission is a focus on preaching the gospel. I'll say it this way, preaching the kingdom of God, preaching the word of God. This is literally all over the scripture, this emphasis on preaching. But I'll give you just one. Paul at the end of his life in 2 Timothy, when, was, when his head was about to be severed by a Roman sword and rolled down a Roman hill, his last words, literally, I think they were about to knock on the door and get the job done. His last words at the end of 2 Timothy, chapter 4 and verse 1, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, Fulfill your ministry. This is our calling. Pastors, this is your calling here at Grace Community Bible Church. To one person, to a small group, to many people in front of this pulpit, brothers, preach the Word. This is the mission of Christ. We are no better than our Master. Preach the Word. But I'll tell you, preaching has fallen on hard times. Preaching has fallen in hard times. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I hear, you know, you preach too long quite often, and it's probably true. I can't follow you. It's boring. It's not relevant. I'm not saying from the, you guys love the Word of God, but I'm telling you, this is the word on the street about preaching. And so we turn to something else, bingo or drama or discussion or entertainment, the homily, as it's called, becomes a tack-on. But our mission is centered on preaching. Listen to J.C. Ryle, a great preacher from the past. I want these words to sink into your heart. Do what it takes. If you have to close your eyes, do it. Just listen up. You won't be able to write it down. Just listen. I can send you the quote if someone reminds me. I'll email it to the church. The mere fact that the eternal Son of God undertook the office of a preacher should satisfy us that preaching is one of the most valuable means of grace. He goes on to say, let, 
let us beware of despising preaching. In every age of the church, this has been God's principal instrument for the awakening of sinners and the edifying of saints. The days when there has been little to no preaching have been the days when there has been little or no good done in the church. Let us hear sermons in a prayerful and reverent frame of mind and remember that they are the principal engines which Christ Himself employed when He was upon the earth. Not least, let us pray daily for a continual supply of faithful preachers of God's Word because according to the state of the pulpit will always be the state of the congregation and of the church." May we be able to say like Paul, I'm thinking of my own ministry right now and I'm thinking of this church, that, that she, this church, for however the long the Lord tarries in bringing back the full and final manifestation of the kingdom upon this earth, that we would endure, to this church would endure to the end and that we would not grow weary in doing good and that we would be able to say like Paul, May we finish our race, that we have fought the good fight, that we had finished the course, that we had kept the faith. And praise God that it's only the power of Christ experienced in communion with Christ which will help us to carry out our commission with Christ. If your pastors will not get secluded with their Savior, this church will fall. Dads, husbands, if you will not get with the Lord in seclusion with Him in prayer, seeking the Lord for your families, they will fall. If you, individual Christian, think that you will run the race with perseverance without seclusion with your God, you will fall. May we never forget we will only finish our mission because of the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. we got to go and we got to tap in to Him. And that's what's so shocking about this passage. You have to understand this passage has temptation at the beginning of the end in Luke chapter 4. There's a massive temptation in the beginning from the devil himself when Jesus is starving. I get it. But even here, there's a subtle temptation, is there not, from a, a crowd just wanting Him to stay, just wanting Him to continue to heal, stay. And it wasn't just the crowd, the parallel passage says, was it? It was His own disciples, led by Peter, speaking again, Jesus, what are you doing? We, we're just getting started here. you got a great opportunity here. I must go. I must preach. There's a temptation here by his disciples and by the people. At the beginning of the book, there's a massive satanic temptation. At the end of the chapter, there is a temptation once again, a subtle temptation to derail his mission at the very beginning. No, no, it is necessary that I must preach the kingdom of God in other cities for for this I was sent. So, our mission centers on preaching, but number two here, 
Our mission must not cater to people. Listen, our mission must not cater to people. Notice what happens in the passage. The crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said, I must preach. It wasn't a bad thing. I mean, they, they wanted their next-door neighbor to be healed too. They wanted to hear more dripping lips of preaching from the greatest preacher who ever lived. I mean, can you blame them? They didn't want him to go, to way, go away. But Jesus had a priority to preach the kingdom and other cities also. Mark this down. Jesus was not going to let pressure from people undermine His purpose from God. Jesus was not going to let pressure from people undermine His purpose from God. People-pleasing kills our necessary purpose. We're here to serve people in obedience to God. I get it. But we're not here to please people in pressure to man. We're not. You know, I would recommend a little book by Kevin DeYoung called Crazy Busy. It's an excellent book where he reflects not so much on our passage, but the parallel passage in Mark about this idea of being so busy. He has to tell the crowds, he has to tell his own disciples, Jesus does, well-meaning people, he needs to remind them of his mission from the Father. I must preach. You know, Jesus, he didn't sin. He was true humanity, was he not? There was a real temptation here, the beginning and the end of Luke chapter 4. Make no mistake about it, but he was never sinfully busy. He, he, was, he was busy. He was never sinfully busy. Here's what sinfully busy is. People-pleasing. Franticness. Anxiety. Distracted by lesser things. You know when you're sinfully busy? is when you say you're too busy to spend time with the Lord. He knew what he ought to do. He knew it was necessary. Listen, with respect to his humanity, in respect to his humanness, Jesus couldn't do everything. Let that sink in. Now, listen to me carefully. I'm going to get emails. With respect to his humanity, Jesus couldn't do any, everything. He had to prioritize. Jesus knew his priorities. Do we know our priorities? I think, and maybe Jody, you can hold me to this so I can lead by example. I think we should get with God, and if there's people in your family, get with them too this afternoon and reflect on this sermon and start thinking through some priorities in our lives. We need priorities. We need to spend the best hours of our day focused on them. The tyranny of the urgent swoops in and keeps us from the one needful thing, sitting at the feet of Jesus, 
so that we might carry out our mission for Him. We need to get our own mission statements. We need to get priorities. Because if we don't set our priorities together prayerfully from the Word of God, I guarantee it, someone else will set your priorities for you. Listen carefully to what Kevin DeYoung says in his book. And I'll quote him so I don't have to say it. Quotes. So unless God intends for us to serve only the loudest, neediest, most intimidating people, we need to plan ahead, set priorities, and serve more wisely so that we might serve more effectively. End quotes. People will pressure you to abandon your God-given priorities. And you need to be careful. Jesus felt it from His disciples and from that crowd in Capernaum. He said, no, I must go. So, number one then, as we figure out the mission of Christ, the foundation for His mission, seclusion for prayer, the nature of His mission, a resolution to preach, and finally and very importantly in the balance of our time, Number three, the persistence of his mission. Now, I'll have to explain this. The persistence of his mission, execution with perseverance. I don't mean execution as getting your head chopped off or getting killed. To execute something, to execute a plan is to do it. It's to carry it out. But execution sounded better in the outline. Execution with perseverance. Now, watch this. This is so powerful. And so important. Verse 44, look at it. So, in light of the mission statement that he just announced, so he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Did you see that? I love this. Oh, Jesus didn't just pray about his mission in the morning. Jesus didn't just talk about it. I've got a mission. I've got a mission. No, no. If you're going to be like Jesus, then you're going to need to do it. This is a call here, not to, in our mission, not to be hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. Not hearers only. We've got to hear. But in faith to do. In light of a stated purpose, he kept on preaching in all of Judea, north and south, and he must move on to fulfill the plan and purposes of God. That was his priority, and he did it. Now, for you Greek scholars, it is over-the-top incredible the way he words this, so he kept on preaching. I'm not going to get into the fancy terms. I'm tempted because I know Dan would like it. But I'm not going to get into fancy terms. But you can't have a continuing, uh, ongoing type of verb more than the structure that he uses here. It's not just he kept on pre. No, Jesus over and over and over again. He kept on preaching. It's a fairly good translation. He kept on preaching. He did it. He fulfilled it. 
over and over and over again, consistently, faithfully, present tense, continuous, ongoing activity. He wasn't saying it was necessary. He actually proved that he believed it was necessary by doing it. By doing it. Now, this is important, and hear me on this. this is, I'm still trying to press this point home. I must preach. And he went, you, you say, why would he leave physical healings left undone to get to preaching? The answer to that is to bring a lot of balance to some of the, 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 heal, the emphasis on healing ministry that can happen today. Because, yes, the curse gets our body and gives us fevers. I think we know about that. Yes, the demonic oppression of our mind, right, assaults our thinking and we must be released by the demonic force. But the greatest release that we need is to move from spiritual death to life. Right? To, to know that we are spiritually poor and needy and to know that our one great abundant provision is Jesus and to find life in Him, to be set free from the bondage of sin and into the liberty of our Lord Jesus Christ, to, to experience through preaching the favorable day of the Lord, the rest of the Lord that will not end, that the year of jubilee has come, the primary purpose of Jesus is preaching because preaching is what the Holy Spirit uses to pass sinners spiritually into the kingdom. And that is the point of Jesus' ministry. The healings are a picture. The freedom of the mind to the demons is a picture. And frankly, it's going to be all of it at the end. Am I right? But we must see it because it's going to... We're going to need to be reminded all the way through this book, his priority was to preach because preaching of the Word is what frees dead sinners. Now, so we better get to it. I love the idea here that we need to persist in our mission. One of my favorite let me, just, let me just say this. You like to write down an app. Here's an application point. Our mission continues with persistence. Our mission continues with persistence. I know we're, we're praying about that the Lord would help us in our marriage, that He would restore our marriages and help us to learn to be good husbands and wives. And to, 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 he, we want to be good parents. We want to be faithful workers in our job. We pray about that and we want to have opportunities to evangelize the gospel, to identify spiritual gifts and plug into the church and we pray about it, we talk about it all the time. Here's my question. Are we doing it? You want to restore your marriage? Do something. You want to be a good dad? You're, it's going to take effort. You're going to need to do it. You can't just pray about it. You can't just talk about it. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. You've got to go after it. This is, we've got to be like, do you guys remember Ezra? Okay, Babylon, bad, right? Exile, 
brought back, finally released, in, back into the land, rebuilding the temple. They needed a preacher, didn't they? The, the people of God that went back, his name was Ezra. Ezra was skilled in the law of God, and he came back to preach. But write this reference down in Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. This is a wonderful verse. Ezra 7 verse 10. Don't turn there. But here's what it says in Ezra 7 verse 10. Ezra, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. Did you notice what I read? It didn't say that as, a, as the chief pastor of the people of God, the exiles that had come back, that, that he had set his heart to study the law of God and to teach the law of God. Did it. It did say that. It says that he set his heart to study the law of God and he set his heart, he set his heart to practice it and then to teach the law of God. We must be doers of the Word and not hearers only. There's a middle step here. And so I, here's, here's an exhortation. This is, there's a little exhortation for me as well. You think I'm, I am with you. I'm being exhorted. Big time. Brothers and sisters... It's time to start doing the Word in our marriages, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and in this church. We are excelling. Excel all the more. There are areas that you're weak, and I'm weak. We're different. Pray about it. Get with the Lord about it. Determine your mission, but don't stop short of getting to work in those areas by the power of the Spirit. Number one, about the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then by our mission as well. We have seen the foundation of His mission, seclusion for prayer in the presence of God, and the nature of His mission, a resolution to preach. And finally, and I think very importantly, we have seen the persistence of His mission, execution with perseverance or doing our mission with perseverance. Has this not been a wonderful chapter? Luke chapter 4? <laughs> but I want you to see something very clearly as we close. Yes, the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ was preaching the Word. But we're not Jesus. In many ways, the best application of this passage, are you ready? Listen is to, to put ourselves on the receiving end of the words of Jesus. And then to remember what he's doing here in this chapter, Luke. He's saying Jesus is preaching. How did they receive the preaching of the Word of God in his hometown of Nazareth? Get out of here. And not only get out of here, but let me close the benediction of the service early in the synagogue, and we will, as a crowd, usher you to the cliff and throw you off. Hardcore unbelief and rejection of Jesus. Compared to how 
the word was received in Capernaum. Where they came and they came and they came. There were people around Simon that said, Jesus can do it. Let's ask him. And they believed that he would help. And Jesus did help. And there were people, had family and friends that were sick that Sabbath night. and 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 they believed he will do it. He's willing. Let's bring them to Jesus. And the people were clamoring for Jesus to see him. They didn't say, get out. We're going to kill you. They said, come near to us. Help us, Jesus. We are to see a different response to the Word of God in this passage. And you must see it. It will be made explicit in chapter 5. The essence here is faith. This is the difference between the hometown of Nazareth and Capernaum. It was faith. It's the one needful thing is simple trust in the word of Jesus. His word says it. Listen. His word says it. That settles it. I'm doing it. Not his word says it. That set, I believe it. And it, no, no. Forget about it. No, no. This word says it. That settles it. I'm doing it. That is faith. That is faith in the word of God. The essence of the difference here is faith. So how are we responding to the word of Jesus found in the Bible? We must pray and seek the Lord for help to understand his word and to be obedient to it. We must determine our priorities in being obedient to the word of God. But brothers and sisters, we got to do it. We got to obey the word by faith. Faith makes all the difference. May we have, may we not Reject the word of Jesus like his hometown of Nazareth. But may we be like those who waited in line to bring their sick ones asking for Jesus, going to Jesus by faith before he leaves the village. May the Lord give us faith to believe